Welcome to the Coaching Through Chaos podcast, helping you conquer the chaos in your life. Your host is licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Colleen Mullen. Dr. Colleen has been doing what she does for almost two decades. She's a private practice owner, a chaostician, a magazine columnist, a best-selling author, and her work or writing has been featured on countless websites including Fortune, Martha Stewart Weddings, Psych Central, The New York Post, Success, and many more. Listen in as she brings you experts in the psychology of life. They may be New York Times bestsellers, key players in their profession, or people who have overcome tremendous obstacles in life and are here to share their story to help you live your best life. Let's get to it. Stay tuned for our next chaos-crushing guest. Here is your host, Dr. Colleen Mullen. Welcome. This is episode one of the Coaching Through Chaos podcast on priceofbusiness.com. I'm your host, Dr. Colleen Mullen. I've had the idea for this podcast for a long time, but I got a special call a couple of weeks ago that helped push me to make it happen. I want to say thanks to Kevin Price for that. I'm so happy to get this going. The idea for this podcast came out of my work as a therapist. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in San Diego, California, and I see people react to information from their environment all the time. Often, people seem to react without understanding what they're even reacting to. For instance, a story about a public and ugly divorce may cause anxiety to someone, but they don't connect it with the fact that they've been arguing with their spouse for weeks on end. Or a story about a bad day on Wall Street may upset someone, not because they were going to lose their money in the market, but rather because they keep putting off restructuring their family's budget and they can't get out of debt. What I plan to do is to pull these kind of themes from current events and slow everything down. I'm going to bring you weekly interviews with experts on our theme for each week. My vision for this podcast is to have it become a database of helpful resources for you. I have interviews coming up with experts in the fields of resiliency, improving relationships, conflict resolution, financial management, and how to live healthier from the inside out. That's just to get us started. And each month, I've decided to feature an episode dedicated to a resource for our veteran population. There are so many wonderful organizations out there designed to help, and I want to highlight them and help spread the word about what they do. So, as an offshoot to a general resource database from our weekly interviews, I'm hoping to also have this become a go-to resource for our vets and their families. Today's episode is going to get that started with my interview with Dr. Mark Viederhold. He is the president of the Virtual Reality Medical Center. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes. I'm so excited. I'm going to launch a new 30-minute episode each Tuesday, so please join me each week follow along, and leave a comment. Let me know that you're here with me listening. Okay, before we get into the interview, I'm going to take just a few minutes to tell you a little bit about me. I was born and raised in New York, but always had a dream of living in California. When I was nearing the end of my 20s, I decided to reorganize my life and make that dream happen. I went back to university to get my degree, and the day after my 30th birthday, I packed up my car and drove across the country to California to enter graduate school and live out my other dream of becoming a therapist. 
It was one of the most daring things I've ever done, and it turned out to be one of the best. The work I do now, I call motivation, achievement, and recovery coaching. I learn the basic skills that I carry out into my work now through my childhood as a competitive pianist. I learned that personal dedication, practicing and utilization of my skills, and being able to be my own cheerleader were really my formula for success. I definitely learned about motivation and achievement back then. But the recovery part, though, came later on. Through some traumas and chaos in my life and some tragic losses in my family, I learned the importance of recovery work and self-healing. Now I get to teach those things to my clients. I couldn't be more grateful for that privilege. So when I'm not in my office, I enjoy my home life, my pets, my friends, and getting out into nature as much as I can. Okay, so that's enough about me for now, and we're going to get right into the information about the Virtual Reality Medical Center. I was so thrilled to have this interview with Dr. Biederhold. The Virtual Reality Medical Center has been around for over 20 years. They started out treating general phobias, you know, like fear of flying or fear of public speaking. But over the past decade, they have ventured out into helping treat our wounded warriors with post-traumatic stress disorder. They have a home base here in San Diego, but they have locations also in Los Angeles, China, and Brussels. Their work with the wounded warriors is already approved protocol in some of the VA hospitals across the country. My interview there took on a life that I didn't even expect. I showed up for what I thought was going to be a 20-minute interview, and it turned into an almost three-hour experience. I couldn't possibly fit all of the information that I got into this episode, so you can find an article on my entire experience, along with some pictures of the experience, at priceofbusiness.com. Just look for the Coaching Through Chaos podcast page. Okay, we are going to take a short break, but when we come back, Dr. Viderhold will get right into answering the question of what does the Virtual Reality Medical Center do and what the heck is virtual reality therapy. We're going to be right back. You're listening to Coaching Through Chaos, your host, Dr. Colleen Muller, bringing you what you need to succeed. Thank you, Dr. Viderhold, for being here. My pleasure, and, and thank you for your interest. We've been treating patients with virtual reality therapy for over 20 years. We first started treating patients with simple phobias, for example, fear of flying, fear of driving, and fear of public speaking. You may be interested to know that fear of public speaking is the, uh, the most serious phobia that people have, and studies have shown that people are more afraid of giving a speech than dying. Yes. So, As a therapist, I have heard that over time. And if you think about that, they're very serious disorders because if a, if a person or an executive has a fear of flying or can't drive to their next meeting or can't deliver a board presentation, that can affect their job quite seriously. So we've been able to develop virtual reality therapy, which is a 360-degree computer simulation, which is a substitute for what we call exposure therapy in the real world. Now, the way this works, there's really two main parts of it. The first part is exposing the patient, usually in a head-mounted display, in which they're fully immersed or present in, for example, a virtual airplane. Or they may be in front of a virtual podium in front of a virtual audience. Mm -hmm. 
The second part is we record their physiological signals, for example, their breathing rate, their heart rate, their skin temperature, with non-invasive sensors in real time. And so what we're able to do is we use a technique called cognitive behavioral therapy. And this type of therapy, which uses uses the exposure model, by the way, has been recommended by the National Institutes of Health as well as the Institute of Medicine. So it's been used for well over 40 years. I've been using that myself, but I've been limited in that we don't have 360-degree exposure for our clients in the therapy room. And I'm glad you brought that up because virtual reality is just a tool and is not a substitute for good clinical skills. Having said that, there are many advantages of virtual reality therapy. For example, in the old days, do you remember there was a time you could actually walk your relatives to the ramp of the plane? Absolutely, yes. Well, you can't really do that now. And so it's almost impossible for a therapist to go with their patient to the airport. That's right. There's inconvenience, and the other main issue is that it could be embarrassing for the patient. And if we think about anxiety disorders, the biggest problem we have with patients who have anxiety or phobia is they often are reluctant to come to therapy. And the last thing they want to do is be in front of a large number of people. And, for example, they might have an embarrassing episode on the plane. So one of the major advantages of virtual reality therapy is it can be done in the comfort and privacy of the therapist's office. I've been treating people with phobias and trauma for years. I can only take them so far. And what, for people that don't know, what those sessions look like is a lot of imagination work. We can talk to the client, get them visualizing in their mind what the situation is that they're fearful of. And I've treated a lot of people for fear of flying. However, it can take several sessions to several months of sessions and lots of imagination homework in between where they're bringing up images of their fearful events. So it sounds to me that the advantage would be that the person, instead of us sitting there and imagining what it's like, You're going to put glasses on them and bring up a screen, and they are going to actually experience being in the plane. And that's exactly what we try to do. What we do is we call call it suspension of disbelief. And the more immersed or present the patient is, meaning the more they feel they're on the real airplane, the better they're going to do in therapy. And I'm glad you mentioned some of the limitations of imaginal therapy, although certainly certain patients do very well with imaginal therapy. Sure. However, the, uh, uh, the scientific literature shows that only about 15% of people are good imaginers. Mm-hmm. For the other, the other group, it's a little more difficult. The other nice thing about virtual reality therapy is, as you mentioned before, avoidance is a major issue with patients with anxiety and phobias. Mm-hmm. With the virtual reality, it's pretty much in your face. You really can't get away from it, and you really need to confront it. And although that sounds confrontational, it is very important for the patients to face their fears. Now, let me make what we consider an important distinction in our work here in that we don't use the technique called flooding. We think flooding is a little bit counterproductive, and what we do is Because we're monitoring their physiological responses, we can control what I call the dosage of reality exposure. Mm -hmm. So for certain patients, we have to be a little more gradual in our exposure response. However, it needs to be compelling enough that they have a level of arousal. 
and this is really the key to exposure therapy, is having the appropriate level of arousal. We want them to be engaged. We want their brain to do the work to overcome the fear, to build new network pathways. However, we don't want to cause a panicked attack, Mm -hmm. and we're very concerned about that. And because we use this gradual approach with the monitoring, and that's combined with skill sets, building skills, specific skill sets of cognitive therapy, our dropout rate is less than 2%. That's an amazing statistic here. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into doing virtual reality therapy? To me, it sounds like, oh, that's the wave of the future, but you said you've been doing this now for over 20 years. So tell us about how, how it's even morphed over time, if you could. The original virtual reality equipment required supercomputers. 20 years ago, a major breakthrough occurred with the development of advanced graphic card technology whereby the virtual reality environment could be viewed on a desktop computer. The processors were powerful enough you could actually afford a computer to do that. Mm -hmm. And so 20 years ago, I was part of a group that started the Medicine Meets Virtual Reality Program which was primarily a group of surgeons that were using virtual reality therapy for surgical planning and surgical imaging. And one of the guests at the program was Jaron Lanier, who is one of the pioneers of virtual reality therapy. And he actually talked about virtual kitchens. 20 years ago, people planned their new kitchens using virtual reality. And so actually, Dr. Brenda Wiederhold is the person who came up with the first idea to try to use it as an adjunct for phobias. And it's one of these stories where you never really know how things turn out. Part of it was luck that we chose phobias because the ability to use a virtual exposure for phobias turned out to be one of the most effective uses of the therapy. Now, in our clinic, our success rates can be over 90%. For example, if you finish the program for fear of flying, our results are greater than 90%. What that means, though, yes, however, it doesn't work for everybody. And we're very clear about that, that it doesn't work for all patients. You have to come for all your sessions. You need to do the homework. And it's a lot of work to do the therapy. It really is. The the patient has to do a lot of work. and, And the virtual reality therapy process also requires some extra effort by the therapist. Right. And I was going to ask if you could explain what a session may look like, because I assume you're not just putting glasses on a person and turning on the stimulus with the the physical monitors. I assume there's a therapist in the room. And if you can talk about how the therapist would interact in a virtual reality session. Sure. When the patient first comes, they have a full and complete assessment and during the first session, which takes about an hour, uh, an hour and a half or two hours, and there's no VR. That's a standard assessment and intake that you do as, as all clinicians need to do. In the second session, the patient is introduced to the physiological monitoring, and so what we do is called a physiological stress profile. So we actually give them a stressor, in this case a math stressor, subtracting 7 from 100, (laughs) which gets most people pretty... Right, I think I can feel my own anxiety get raised uh, thinking about it. (laughs) Exactly right. And so we, we allow them to not only experience what stress is, but to view it on the screen with the physiology. And then we spend time teaching them to do abdominal breathing, progressive muscle relaxation. So we give them a set of skills that they can use to control their anxiety or arousal. Mm-hmm. This is very empowering for patients. And when they, use, when they then learn this skill and they're comfortable doing it, we then will proceed to the mm-hmm. first VR session. So it's a gradual building of skills 
and then the exposure comes. Exactly. Just for people who are listening, who are thinking, gosh, you know, what would that look like? So that's that's um, been really helpful to kind of hear what would happen. I think it's probably a good time. Why don't we take a little break and we'll come back and you can tell us how the virtual reality therapy is now being used to treat our wounded warriors. You're listening to Coaching Through Chaos, your host, Dr. Colleen Mullen, bringing you what you need to succeed. Dr. Rita Holt from the Virtual Reality Medical Center in San Diego. And we're going to now move into the segment that we're really here about is how the Virtual Reality Medical Center has turned the work that they've done for years with phobias into now treating our combat veterans. Thank you so much. In the course of treating the phobias and therapies, we also started treating post-traumatic stress disorder in people that had suffered serious motor vehicle accidents. And we've been we've treated probably a hundred patients that have PTSD for MVA, mm-hmm. and that really was one of the links that allowed us to look at the possibility of using the tool for treating PTSD in our veterans. Now, there's a main difference between simple phobias and PTSD. PTSD is a much more complex disorder. Mm-hmm. There are multiple problems. For example, we have a lot of comorbid conditions, and right. in, in in one of the studies that we did. For example, one half of the veterans also met the criteria for traumatic brain injury mm-hmm. as well as PTSD. Right, which is another very serious co-occurrence, as you mentioned. Other issues have to do with uh, suicide, mm-hmm. substance abuse, yes. family disorders, family violence. Yes. Uh, it's, it, is, it is serious business taking care of people with trauma. The way we started this, we had funding from the Office of Naval Research to do a research study at the Naval Medical Center in San Diego. That study allowed us to transition our technology and develop virtual reality exposure therapy for our veterans. We also used the physiological monitoring. We did several studies at the Navy and found overall using the virtual reality exposure therapy with monitoring of physiology, we had about 80% overall success rate. That's, again, another tremendous statistic. In addition, we found a very low dropout rate. What really made me most excited about this therapy is that a lot of the younger members and younger veterans, because they go through a lot of computer-type training, Mm -hmm. and some of them do play video games. Mm -hmm. Now, let me be clear. Virtual reality therapy is not a video game. It's not meant to be a video game. However, Mm -hmm. this population of patients has a lot of familiarity with the techniques and the tools, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them found it frankly, enjoyable. They found it easy to transition. And what we learned is that we stopped calling this a therapy session. Okay. We actually called it retraining because one of the problems with helping people seek treatment is avoiding the stigma. And so we would just say, well, you know, why don't you come on and you can do another hop. And what's a hop? A hop is essentially going out on a mission. Okay. And so we had retired military and active duty military that were treating the patients, they were able to establish uh, a critical rapport with them and a level of trust. And that's mm-hmm. so important in therapy, right. as, as you know. Mm-hmm. But they were able to, to uh, effectively use, again, effectively using the tool to expose them 
to the issues and the cues that are causing their PTSD, causing their nightmares, causing their anxiety, and allowed them to, a lot of them to overcome. Now, the results of the study in terms of you say, well, how do you know it's working? Well, of all the patients that completed the program with 80% success, we had all of them either return to active duty stations return to full-time employment, Mm -hmm. or they're able to go back and be in school full-time and perform well. Fantastic. So you've got these people who were dealing with some really severe traumatic symptoms now getting back into their normal life or re-entering life in a normal way where they otherwise weren't feeling that they were able to do that. Exactly. And I think, and as I said before, it doesn't work for everyone. Mm -hmm. We have to be very clear. In addition, some of the people that we treated, they tell us, and, and we'll be the first to admit it, they still have some anxiety and they mm-hmm. still have some discomfort. However, it's not at the level where it interferes with their ability to enjoy their life, enjoy their family. And that's one of the key ways of knowing you've treated somebody successfully, is that their symptoms, although they may not be totally gone or totally gone forever, the quality of the life that they're living is vastly improved. Exactly correct. And that was really one of our endpoints. Mm-hmm. Now, we're continuing to do additional studies using virtual reality. And we also, for example, we were able to deploy several of our virtual reality systems to Iraq and Afghanistan. And one of the active duty Navy physicians took one of our systems to Fallujah, and he was able to treat a number of patients in theater. I actually didn't know that part of it when I did the research on your clinic. I know as a clinician, the earlier you can treat a trauma, the better the response to treatment. And I also want to point out something you said about the the dropout rate. One of the biggest issues of getting our combat veterans help has been a concern about difficulty in joining and retaining them in therapy. So you've got this mode of treatment that seems to have a really strong hold on retaining them and helping them then for the longer term. Exactly. And in, in addition to the, the retraining or the therapy, which we, and by the way, you're exactly correct. The results, the results of a small study for treating in theater mm-hmm. were 86% success. So it was higher than our, our normal rate. Now, the reason this is important is because it also allows us to look at some next steps. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we've been doing for a number of years is called stress inoculation training, where we actually take some of these skills that are similar, but they're not exactly the same, to treating PTSD. And we allow the patients to be exposed to stressful stimuli before deployment. And that's called stress inoculation training. We've been doing that for 10 years. Okay, so getting them ready for what they might experience. Exactly. Our hope really is to be able to prevent PTSD, or possibly mitigate the serious types of effects that we're seeing. Wouldn't that be amazing to do? Can you tell us a little bit about, or is there a particular success story you can tell us about? Everything you're presenting gives us such hope, or at least it's speaking of hope to me for this population. Can you tell us a little bit or give an example of one of your clients who uh, kind of talk about the symptoms they might have had when they came in and presented for the treatment and what their quality of life look like at the end of treatment. Yes, typically we see patients, one of the biggest problems is they have problems with sleep disorders, they have invasive nightmares, Mm -hmm. they have difficulty being in crowded situations. For example, uh, a lot of times going to the mall or a crowded street scene, is is they're they're not able to do that. Mm -hmm. And often they report uh, panic attacks, anxiety. Again, I mentioned substance abuse and those types of issues. Mm -hmm. 
After the therapy, they learn the skills to control their breathing, to control their heart rate, to control their muscle tension, and it helps them to relax. It also helps them to realize that they're not in Iraq anymore. They're back in the U.S., and they can, uh, they, can, they can then use these skills to effectively mitigate the effects of the stress of PTSD. I remember a particular case of a young man who was a, a Navy corpsman, and he had particular problems with images that he encountered. And PTSD in medical corps is actually much more serious than PTSD in our standard population. The reason is that medical personnel, in addition to treating severely injured, wounded uh, members, they're also exposed to the stress of warfare. For mm-hmm. example, the Army medics, they're taught to shoot back first as the first thing they do when they go to treat the wounded. So they're really, they're really getting it from both sides, and, and their level of PTSD is higher uh, than the general military population. But we were able to reduce the levels of nightmares and the intrusive thoughts that the person was having. It is important to, to realize, though, that this person also told us that he still does have some problems. So he's not completely over it, but the key is that he's able to live a normal life. Mm-hmm. He's able to enjoy his family members. He's able to work Great. and to be a productive yeah. member. Fantastic. So I still have so much I want to ask you, but I think we're going to have to keep it a little bit short. So I assume that the people can come back if they need to. If their symptoms resurface, you can do some extra treatment. So I'm getting a nod and an endorsement of yes, they can. Um, And can you tell us where the treatment protocols are moving to? Are you expanding the population that you can treat as far as wounded warriors go? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, we are. And we've just opened another office in Coronado here in California. Fantastic. What we're trying to do now is we're trying to migrate our therapy sessions to involve more treatment in the home and in the community. And we're able to do that now because a lot of the virtual reality hardware is being priced much more competitively to the point that we can actually give the patients a virtual reality set they can use in the home. Uh, So they can do their homework with the actual equipment on at home. Exactly, which should be much more effective. Yes, yes, great. And can our wounded warriors, can they get that treatment funded from their VA benefits? Or do they have to pay for this themselves? A number of Veterans hospitals do have the virtual reality equipment, and it is, it's not available in all the VA hospitals, but a lot of them do have it. Fantastic. Is there anything else that you'd like us to know before we wrap up our interview? I'd like to, to say a word of thanks to our patients. One of the reasons our success rates are so high is because our patients tell us what works and what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And we're grateful, and I'm inspired that people that have had such horrendous experiences are still able to think about helping others. It's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. So you get rewarded and inspired every day with the patients that you're treating, and I'm sure you learn a lot from them as they're learning from you. Exactly. Well, I know I've learned a lot from you today, and I want to thank you so much for your dedication to this population. And I want to thank you for giving me this interview. Thank you so much. You're listening to Coaching Through Chaos, your host, Dr. Colleen Muller, bringing you what you need to succeed. have reached the end of episode one of the Coaching Through Chaos podcast. I certainly hope that you enjoyed that. 
Deepak Chopra has said that all great things are preceded by chaos, and I certainly had a couple of chaotic weeks getting this podcast up and running. You know, putting this together was definitely a labor of passion and learning, so bear with me. My passion is strong, but I still have a lot to learn about this. Before I go, I want to say thanks again to Kevin Price at priceofbusiness.com for giving me the platform to launch the podcast, and I also want to give a big thanks to Dr. Mark Viderhold and the Virtual Reality Medical Center. Now, if you want to learn more about what they do or check out their research, please go to their website at vrphobia.com. I also want to thank Dr. B for handling all of my editing and sound. And if you liked our musical interludes, please check out BennettSullivanMusic.com to see what else he has to offer. Remember now, I've got episodes coming in the next few weeks with conflict resolution, relationship, addiction, and healthy living experts. So please check back in to see what we have going on. If you want to follow me between episodes, you can sign up for my mailing list at coachingthroughchaos.com, or you can find me on Twitter with the handle at Dr. Colleen Mullen, and on Facebook at Coaching Through Chaos. Okay, I hope you have a great week, and if you've got chaos in your life, I hope you're finding your way through it. Take care.